It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, he makes the magic happen at Sports Illustrated. He's our good friend, Chris Mannix. Chris, first and foremost, how are you this week? It's good to talk to you. I'm through... uh Three seasons of ER now, uh, <laughs> rolling along here. Oh wait, the are you out of nineteen nineties drama? Are you out of the Clooney years yet? I, how well? How long was he on that show? Uh, I am not out of the Clooney years yet. Uh, I'm getting there, and I'm starting to skip like every other episode because there's like fifteen seasons, and I, I don't even with this pandemic going on, I don't think I'm <laughs> going to get through it. Chris, have you found uh, have you found any um, uh, new uh, options for uh, you know new passions? No, I'm, I'm going to have to find. I'm probably going to have to get there. Um, remarkably, I've been pretty busy, you know, with a, a few things. I've I've got a magazine story coming out next week, and uh, you know, right now there's still enough evolving that I'm writing web content consistently, and you know, doing a lot of video for DAZN for our boxing stuff as well. So it's been. Yeah, you know, it's been all concentrated, of course, in one place, which is unusual for me. But um, I haven't quite gotten to the point where it's like I have to take up yoga or something. I'm not, I'm not quite there with uh, the the boredom part of this all just yet. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, the big news of the day around here, Justin Zanuck given permission uh, from the Jazz, and he interviews via video, apparently, with the Chicago Bulls for their vice president of basketball operations position. Anything you're hearing about this and your thoughts on Zanuck as a candidate? Well, they've cast a pretty wide net in Chicago, as as they should. I mean, there should you know, there shouldn't be any rush uh, to, to find someone to fill a key position on a team that is at a pretty critical point right now. Um, so I don't know how far along they are. We've seen in the last couple of days uh, a number of different guys withdraw from the process. And when I see that, one of the first – I haven't talked to any of those people specifically yet, but when I see that, one of the first questions I have is, did, are there concerns about autonomy there? Um you know, you've got Michael Reinsdorf running things from an ownership perspective, but it, it seems more likely than not that, you know, John Paxson's still going to be around in some capacity. Gar Foreman's still going to be around in some capacity. Uh, that, that can be some red flags if the incumbents are still around, even if they are in a reduced role. So that, that's a question that I would have at this stage of the process. As far as Justin Zanuck goes, there are few better choices, I think, that are out there. I mean, Justin... I mean, you guys know the history with Milwaukee. He got a raw deal there. Um, he was a GM and waiting with the Bucks, and, and look, John Horst did a phenomenal job as well. But Justin, I think, would have done just as well. Uh, he's been a huge part of the success uh, that they've had in uh, in Utah, and and I think he'd be an excellent and will be an excellent GM. He's got the experience in front office. He's got the experience as a, a former agent. I mean, he checks all the boxes, and people that know him like him a lot. Uh, there, you know, I think he'd be a home run candidate for the Bulls. How would you evaluate the job that has been done there over the past number of years, uh, Chris? Well, they're pretty good at drafting 
and bad at everything else. I think that's probably the best way to to boil it down. Uh, their coaching decisions have been, you know, pretty bizarre. You know how they, you know, they brought in Fred Hoiberg to coach a Tom Thibodeau team, which was never going to work. And you know, I don't know if Fred would have made a good NBA coach, but I don't think he ever really had the personnel that he needed to to coach that type of team. And then you bring in Jim Boylan and. And look, there probably wasn't another team in the league that would have elevated Jim Boylan to that position. He struggles his first year after being elevated, and you bring him back on another contract. I mean, I, there have been some very questionable decisions made uh, by the Bulls, and, and it's been mitigated to a degree by if you look at some of their recent drafts, they've been you know pretty good. They've got some you know this is historically too, not just the last couple of years. So that's that's kind of defined them to a degree, but. Um, you know, whoever comes in there, they'll have some some pieces, of course. I mean, Zach Levine, you'll have to decide if he's a franchise player or not. And there's some other young guys like Chris Dunn and others that are part of that mix. Uh, Wendell Carter is very good, but you know that that's a team that's that's going to take some time to to piece together. And you got to be really strategic with what you do with signing guys, not to overwhelm your salary cap with with bad contracts. Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon and I were just talking about owners and strength of owners. And on a scale of 0 to 10, uh, uh, 10 being the perfect owner and 0 being Jim Dolan, where would you put Jerry Reinsdorf? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, that, look, Dolan is in a class unto himself. I mean, you know, he's he's the guy that, that hires his pals to you know, into key front office positions, and that you know that that just never works. Um, you know, look, Jerry Reinsdorf has an incredible history of success in the 1990s. I mean, I I think you can question the uh, and look, I, I often like to you know give, I I try to side more with giving executives and coaches more leeway than maybe fans do. You know, you don't always have to reflexively hire and fire people. Um, but they've given the the Paxson Foreman combination a lot of rope over the years. I think that's been detrimental to the team's long term success. So I think, look, I, I think they skew more on the positive scale of ownership because of the resources that they they give their team, uh, give their their front office, and um, you know, the, as I said, the kind of the rope they give their front office executives to to figure things out. Uh, but at the same time, they've you know, not you know, pulled the trigger on on some decision they should have pulled the trigger on early, and that's you know definitely cost them something uh, in the last 20 years. So, Chris, if we were to give to you a choice uh, of of ranking the importance of owner uh, and then either, you know, VP of uh, basketball operations or personnel, however you want to call that, and then coach, what is most important from one to three? You know, I think the the VP of basketball ops is probably the most important. Um, then I would go coach and then owner. And owner, you really, you just want an owner that gets out of the way and is not visible and, you know, isn't in the papers for interfering with something. You know, that's what Dolan's been, you know, way too involved in over the years. And you can certainly make the case in the, in the bus family with the Lakers that made some questionable choices because of ownership-driven decisions. Frankly, I wonder, you know, go back to the firing of Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn, I wonder if that was fueled by an ownership decision as well. I mean, give me an owner like Peter Holt was in San Antonio. I mean, you couldn't pick Peter Holt out of a lineup, you know, most basketball fans. And yet he oversaw, you know, one of the great dynasties in sports. Clay Bennett in Oklahoma City has given Sam Presti 
complete autonomy and just got out of his way. And that's been an incredibly successful small market franchise. The Miller family as well has been very good uh, over the years in, you know, hiring top level executives. I mean, the, the Jazz front office, you know, with Justin there and David Morway and, and head by Dennis Lindsay. I mean, that's just, that's really one of the deepest and most talented front offices in the entire NBA. And that's a credit to ownership for, you know, providing them with the resource that, to bring in those types of guys and 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 let them do the job and you now Quinn Snyder you know bringing him in letting him do the job so I think with ownership you just want you just want the, them to hire smart guys and then watch as smart guys do their thing and unfortunately it's not what every owner in the NBA does. Chris Mannix with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Adam Silver was on a uh, conference call with President Trump and the other commissioners in professional sports over the weekend. And uh, reportedly, Adam Silver expressed that he wants to lead the way out, or the NBA, excuse me, to lead the way, you know, when this thing subsides because they were the first uh, league to really shut it down. They want to lead the way. What do you think? Is that realistic from Commissioner Silver? Well, I mean, in a, in a vacuum, sure, it's realistic. I mean, the NBA... You know, the NBA and the NHL are, and I read, I don't know anything about the NHL, but I know that I read that they're talking about North Dakota. I mean, they have the ability to go to one site and finish out their postseason. And, you know, that's something I think the NBA and their owners are eager to do. Uh, you know, that phone call, uh, from what I understand, they really didn't have much of a point. I mean, it was just kind of, you know, pro forma. And I would argue that it was probably just for the president to say, talk to a bunch of sports commissioners. I, I don't. From what I get from the NBA perspective, they didn't really take much away from it. The NBA, you know, I know that the president wants, you know, sports to come back. He said that publicly in his briefings, but the NBA is not going to listen to him. Like, they're going to come back, you know, whenever their doctors and the federal doctors like Dr. Fauci and others say it's okay to come back. And it's as simple as that. They'll not be pressured one way or the other uh, to play once again. But once, once it becomes medically palatable, uh, for lack of a better word, You'll see the NBA move swiftly. I mean, it could be you know early May where you know things change, where you can put 100 people into a venue. You're going to see the NBA move to you know get players back into their into their team facilities to get a training camp of some kind started, and hopefully a regular season to kind of flatten things out and and get into a playoff. So while the NBA is kind of idling right now, they're going to be well positioned in the coming weeks to to be one of the fastest league to get back into play. Do you think there are players uh, who are, who play better in front of a crowd uh, or it affects their play more in a positive or maybe a negative way than guys who just pile into a gym and are playing, say, in front of television cameras? Oh, I think it's true that all players play better in front of crowds. I mean, it's, if for nothing else, adrenaline you know, that, that applies. I'm sure, you know, I mean, players are probably more, are better equipped to answer a specific question like that but yeah i'm sure there are players that are the king of the pickup games that don't feed off uh crowd energy but i mean every top player in the league one way or the other feeds off the crowd positive and negative um and, and something will be lost it's what's going to make if this playoffs comes up comes to be going to w- make it really unique and and just you know something that that it becomes entirely unpredictable i mean i seating you out the window when when these playoffs if these playoffs ultimately start. It's not going to matter uh, even one through eight at that point. I mean, it's just going to be such a, a unique environment that players are going to be in that we're not going to know how they're going to respond. And we've talked about this before, but the bigger question is not how they respond behind closed doors is, you know, what kind of shape are they in? You know, I mean, you know, guys are just hanging around the house doing nothing. And when we get to, you know, we get to the, the, the time when it's time to start playing, 
you know, I mean, how many players balloon in the next uh, in the next couple of months? I mean, is there going to be a Sean Kemp of this uh, of this time? So I think that's that's a pretty big question. I think that we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Let me follow up real quick on that, uh, Chris. As you've observed these athletes. The difference, I imagine most of them will keep themselves in decent shape. What is the difference between decent shape and top form ready to play at the NBA level? How big a leap is it? Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's Grand Canyon-esque, you know, for, for an example. I mean, you know, I, I'm probably doing the same workouts that some NBA players are doing, and I am not equipped to play in an NBA game and, and will not be anytime soon. Now, these guys, I'm sure – you know, we'll, we'll have the opportunity in the coming months to, to get back into their facilities and, and work their way back into shape. But it's not good. You know, there, there are guys that I've talked to, players that are just, you know, they're already starting to slip into, into poor conditioning, and there's really no way out of it. I mean, they can't even go to, like, an Equinox or a, or a local gym to, to start to work on their own. They can't bring their personal trainers in. I mean, there's nothing they can do at the moment to, to try to shake that off. So, you know, there are a lot of guys out there hoping that sooner rather than later they can start working out with two or three guys in a gym. Some of these players have personal trainers they can fly out. Um, they're hoping that happens to, to get to a point where they can start to work their way back into shape because you know, it, it's, it's going to be – look, I, I think it's unavoidable. One way or the other, it's going to be sloppy basketball when the players come back. Um, I, it's a question of how sloppy is it going to be. Chris, as always, we really appreciate you jumping on with us, sharing a little wisdom. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Chris. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix, our good friend from Sports Illustrated, joins us on Mondays right here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thinks a, a lot, Gordon, about the Jazz Brain Trust and the, the amount of brain power the front office has. Yeah, and you add uh, Quinn Snyder into that equation, and that's got to be one of the brightest groups of basketball personnel uh, or leaders that I can think of. I can't think of anybody I would put over that. Can you? No, no, no. I mean, all things considered. Right. I agree with you and him. Yeah. All right. It's the big show. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.